It's time to expect more from urgent care, like caregivers who take time to listen, smooth access to local specialty care if you need it, virtual visits and save your spot convenience, plus easy access community locations. And we're open 365 days a year to treat your sprains, cuts, fever, and flu. Northwell Health Go Health Urgent Care. Get more than you expect and exactly what you need. Welcome to a new era in urgent care. This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by you. That's right, you out there. You, the listener. You, the supporter. You, the people who think we're too negative. You, the people who think we're too positive, too wild, too supporting of Capococco, too happy about Alex Lafreniere. All these things. You, thank you so much for listening and making us the number one New York Rangers podcast when Vince isn't podcasting. Okay, good show. Seriously, I have a great time talking to Greg today, which I can't say very often. Uh, talk about Jesper Fast leaving. Talk about Jack Johnson. Talk about some of the process of, you know, evaluating JD and Gorton as leaders of this organization, despite trusting them. So a lot going on. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts we've done in a while, and that's saying a lot because we've, I think we've done a lot of good shows recently, despite what some people think, hating on me, <laughs> crying. Okay, let's get to Mark Messier and get to the show. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Breaker fans, welcome to another week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of The Athletic, and I am here with my co-host of The Athletic also, Greg Kaplan. Greg Kaplan, say hello. Why are you being so negative, man? Whoa, whoa. You want me to be positive about the New York Rangers? You want me to just get right into it? <laughs> we need to be, Ryan, we need to channel our inner propaganda. We got to stop, we got to stop speaking feelings okay. and start speaking hold on. facts. Greg, hold on, hold on a second. I'm just taking okay. these off my feet. One sec. Okay. Okay. Now I'm... Taking my boots and I'm licking them. All right, here we go. Man, I got a lot of. I have so many questions. If you're actually wearing boots in your own home, <laughs> I'm not. I'm wearing slippers. I'm slipper licking. All right, so here we go. Uh, you're actually wearing slippers. Legitimately, they're very comfortable. Yeah. You're an interesting man. I've always been. All right, so do let's, you wear socks in the house? Sometimes I'll wear. Very rarely do I wear socks in the house. Very rarely. Almost never. It just. It feels like I'm too clothed when I have socks on. In the house. I have too many clothes on with these socks. <laughs> yeah, just like, I like to let free them, the feet. I like to let them breathe most of the time. This has become a, a feetball podcast for a second. All right, now let's get into it. The positives mm. about the New York Rangers, because today, and I have to be honest with you all listening out there, we'll be talking about some moves you might agree with, you might disagree with, i.e. Jack Johnson, i.e. Jesper Fast. And we don't have a guest today, so it's just me and Greg. This is all you're getting for a good hour. Um, so let's get right into it, shall we? Some positive things to talk about. Um, and, and you agree or disagree with me as we go here. Kind of a good and bad situation. We both agree. First, My first point. We both agree that we trust J.D. and Gorton to run this team for the most part. I would say above 85%. Mm. Close? 70? I don't know. Uh, my trust has been shaken. I'll, I'll give you that. My trust has been shaken, I, me, too. I trust them. I trusted them more before draft night than I did today. Agree, but I still... It was, a, it was a, it was, I, think, I think the last week has been the most difficult week of the Jeff Gordon era. No, well, I'll, I'll quote a great man, 110%. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now that we've said that, I, I still love JD. I love his comment about Lafreniere can live at my house. I think he's still the right person to run this organization. Personally, 
I still have faith. I'm bootlicking right now. That's what I'm doing. And I, I, still, I still think Gorton has built something great here. Um, he's gotten lucky doing it. And the process is really what I and what we will be discussing moving on. The New York Rangers, second point. The New York Rangers are a top five hockey team in terms of assets and talent over the next five to ten years. Top five. Uh, can I name five more than the Rangers? I am hard. It's tough. The, the, Senate, the Senators had an opportunity, but I haven't seen a lot of people like what the Senators did in the draft, so I can't really say them. Um, the Avalanche have had another spectacular offseason. The Avalanche are my number Just one, in un- case you were wondering. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to put the Lightning in the top five still because they still Braden points hold like all their 22. chips. Yep. Yeah, they they still hold all their chips. Um, I don't know. I, it we're probably, right there. I think I think it, it would be hard to leave the Rangers out of the top five because, look, as as much as we've criticized certain moves the Rangers have made, the fact still remains that the New York Rangers have one of, if not the best, uh, farm system in hockey, which as as of today, it still includes Alexi Lafreniere because he hasn't played a hockey game yet. Yep. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say you'd be really hard-pressed to, to find five teams who have more capital at their disposal in terms of on-ice value than the New York Rangers. You likely have around eight to ten years more of Adam Fox, Igor Shosturkin, Capocaco, and Alexi Lafreniere playing together. Like, if all those players hit their peaks of what you think their peaks can be, you are in really good position. I don't want to think everyone out there, when people listen to this show, why don't you say about the positive things? Things are great for the most part if you're a Ranger fan right now. Greg and I started the show five years ago. It was at the tail end of the Lundquist um, prime era. We got eliminated by the, the Ottawa Senators. Things became a little bleaker at that point in time. This has been an incredible rebuild that's been adjusted, uh, that's had a lot of help with two lottery ball luck and some great drafting and farm system, no doubt about it. Like, and some good trades and some bad trades. That's that. There's there's some other criticisms of uh, Gorton there, but for the most part, they've done a, what I would consider a great job. Things are awesome. The future is awesome. This year is going to be a little weird, but after that, I think you're in really good position as a Ranger fan. I think I can probably say more good things, but I wanted to be positive about the team. You know, they clearly have a plan moving forward. They're, they're building for the future. Now, do I agree fully with the plan? No. And we're going to get into some of that now. Any, did I miss any positives to start the show with? Because I am really high on the New York Rangers and especially over the next decade. Like I think the 2020s are going to be quite a fucking decade for the New York Rangers, but I, I, I still, it's totally fine to call into question people you trust with moves that can shake your confidence like we have on this podcast. And that doesn't make us Debbie Downers. It makes us passionate about what's happening. And we critical. I, I would even say we're philosophers and critical thinkers. Thank you. Yeah, guys, no team is perfect. Uh, if this was a Colorado Avalanche podcast, we'd have a lot of flowery and positive things to say. But you know what? I think both of us would also ask questions about whether that goaltending tandem could help that team towards a deep playoff run. Yep, and there's no team in hockey that's having a better start to their offseason, in my opinion, than the Colorado Avalanche. But that doesn't mean 
there aren't questions that still need to be answered there. The Tampa Bay Lightning are defending Stanley Cup champions now. They've literally had the Stanley Cup for about two, three, two weeks, I yep. think. Yeah. Two full weeks. There are so many questions about the Tampa Bay Lightning, most of which are left unanswered. And there are critical questions that you have to ask about that organization moving forward. That doesn't mean th- they won the Stanley Cup. Like you, if we did a Tampa Bay Lightning podcast, we would start every every episode of the podcast saying, "Man, it's great to be Stanley Cup champion. Nothing else matters." But man, that, that left simple. side, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's, that just, just, it. it's just it's imp- no team's perfect. A perfect team does not exist. If a perfect team existed, there would be no purpose in playing the games. So I, it's not us being negative. It's just your team's not always going to make the right move. And I don't know if it's just I. I, I do wonder what the Venn diagram looks like in terms of sports fandom for the people that say we're just negative all the time. I think the people I know that are Met fans kind of expect shit like this to happen. So yeah. they're not the ones saying it. Absolutely. I think people who are big Nick fans expect the worst at all times. So they're not saying this kind of shit. I'm not saying it's all the Yankee fans out there, but. Oh, well, Yankee fans this week, you know how they feel. Not great. Not great. Not Rolled great. Chapman. Oof. How about it? Yikes. First yeah. first pitcher in Major League Baseball history to give up game deciding home runs that eliminates his team from the postseason in back to back years. Yeah, that's a tough one. Hashtag tough one. Yeah. You know, that's a tough one. If I was a Yankee fan, I would hate to listen to a Rays fan for the next 50 minutes. Okay, let's move on. For sure. For sure. Shots fired, right? Flat, flat. All right. <laughs> I'm going to get some tweets for that one. All right. So now, uh, again, it's not that I don't trust the leadership. People, I keep seeing the comment. Uh, and this always comes. How come you just don't trust Gorton and JD? Like, I think those guys have done a great job for the most part. Like, they- I don't just, I don't trust my parents blindly. Like, <laughs> my parents, my parents brought me into this world. If there's anyone in this world I should trust blindly, right? It's my parents. But I got news for you guys. My mom does some pretty stupid shit. Yeah. So like, it's a good lady though. If there are some things I, I will trust her blindly on, and there are other things where I think she's talking out of her ass. That's my mom. <laughs> It's the I, truth. Is there is there anyone, Ryan? Is there anyone in your life in your life you trust blindly? Other than you're just you? saying, you know what? I, I don't think so. Got it. Just you. That's it. But mistake. Big one. <laughs> yeah. No, I I don't think there's literally anybody. And in general, I think I'm, I'm I am sort of a bootlicker when it comes to the New York Rangers. I am pretty positive. I think over the of, years, of the two of us, yes, you're the good cop. I'm the bad cop. Yeah, good cop. It, bad it, cop. That feels like that feels like the relationship you and I have forged. Right, but now we're both bad cop, bad cop, so it's like two negatives, and now we're just too strong. Like, I don't even think it's bad cop, bad cop. I think you're confused cop, and I'm despondent cop. <laughs> I think despondent cop is a great name, name for you and a good character for our, our cop movie. Yeah, despondent cop. But yes, it's it's a situation where it's like I trust them, but I just don't agree with everything they've done in the past week. So let's just get to it, shall we? Right? Mm-hmm. Let's start with Jesper Fast. And I've let's. I've come to terms on this one over the past couple days. It's it's been a situation where he goes to Carolina for two two million a year annual, and it's for three years. Okay, that's a great fit for Carolina. And if I was to tell you, I don't I don't even know. Not even that long ago, in August, I was like, hey, Jesper Fast is going to sign for three years, two million. You say to me what? Uh, you sign up for it. Yeah, I agree. You sign up for it. Like that's a tremendous contract. It brings us to his, his age thirty one season. Honestly, that's just everything you could ask for from a team and a player. All right, cool. So now that we figure that out, the Rangers weren't supposedly willing to go three years. And they have, again, supposedly 
or actually factually, literally no wiggle room to spend money. So they couldn't make it happen. Uh, and it was on the Rangers to move along, not Jesper Fast. That's the reports right now, at least from what we've seen. So with that being well, said... Well, uh, I'll push back on the, the Rangers didn't have wiggle room. It sounds like it came down to the third year, not the money. Okay. So the Rangers, if they wanted to, had the money. Could have made it happen. What the Rangers didn't want to do was go three years. Right. And I think part of that was the wings they have coming up and blocking wing players in the future. Now, do I agree with that totally? No, I don't. And this is where some of our, our, our negative aspect comes in. Is Kravstov, when he was playing in the KHL, performing very well this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we don't know what he's coming over, which we're assuming when the season starts or after the KHL ends. And we don't know how he's going to perform. We don't know what Goche is going to be. He's only had a couple games in the NHL. Jesper Fast is your most... Your most important defensive forward, by far. Your most important role player, by far. And yes, we've said don't play your role players on this podcast many, many times. But $2 million for three years is a really great deal when it comes to, for someone that does that much on the ice. Not only that, Gregory, but Jesper is a penalty kill player that you just cannot replace. Do you know who's going to be replacing Jesper on the penalty kill? Probably Rooney. Probably Howden. Like, I... I'm unsure. I mean, Howden, Howden already plays on the penalty kill. Right. So, I mean, his minutes. That's correct. So, it's probably Rooney in that case. Probably Rooney. Yeah. So, I don't know how you replace Jesper Fast very easily. I know you don't want to block your young wingers coming three years down the road. I don't necessarily hate. Like, I wasn't I was, I was, wasn't despondent about the letting Jesper Fast go. I could see the logic for it. But it does hurt to let a guy go who is so important to your team when it was for such a cheap contract? I've come around on it. Okay. Uh, in the moment, it's hard to digest because we had heard rumors about Jesper wanting something north of three and a half. We heard something in the, he might've even been asking for 4 million a year. At that point, I think all of us were like, call it a day. You don't pay your depth players, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 3 million was too much. I can understand why the Rangers didn't want to go three years. It's... It's a calculated bet. It, basically, signing Jesper Fast would have been a hedge for the Rangers. They would have been hedging their bet that one of their young wingers on the right side wasn't going to blossom. Or they were hedging their bet that they wouldn't be able to keep Pavel Buchnevich beyond this season. That's, in my head, how you justify giving him a three-year deal. But even if Buch eventually walks... In three years, if the top three wingers for the New York Rangers aren't in some order, Capo Caco, Julian Gauthier, and Vitaly Kravtsov, I think all of us would say, what happened? I, I think there would be fair questions to ask about which one of those three didn't progress the way we thought they would progress. Uh, and then again, you add in Buchnevich there. Buchnevich now becomes the hedge in one of those three players, not necessarily developing in the way we see um and you don't i guess you don't need two hedges really uh and you look at this ranger team i don't know how many times you've said this on the podcast i think i've pushed back on you a couple times regardless of how fun this team is going to be and even with what we're going to say later on in this podcast this team still has the potential to be super fun especially offensively uh they're not exactly going to be playoff contenders they might make the playoffs as an eight seed, but we all still expect this year, this last year coming up, 
to be the last building block year. The last year, the Rangers are going to figure some shit out. And then the year after this, they're going to get a little, a little crazy and a little aggressive. Um, let me just, I'm going to run down these lines for you, Ryan. They're, gonna, they're super fun lines when you look at them. Yeah. Kreider, Mika, Buchnevich as your top line. We saw it all last year. Crazy fun. Really, really fucking fun. Panarin, Strom, Kako. Again. That's most, most likely your second line now. A very fun line, especially with Kako. Lafreniere, Hedo, Gauthier as your third line. That is incredibly fun. <laughs> and then you have, you have Lemieux, Phil DiGiuseppe, Brett Howden, and Kevin Rooney for three spots on the fourth line. And your fourth line is, for me personally, whatever. David Quinn doesn't play it, so I don't really have to worry about it. He plays it less than but those, 10 minutes a night, so yes. That that top nine, I, I the question remains, is Strom still going to be a New York Ranger? And I, we'll get into that later on in the show, but that top nine super fucking fun. Very. They have two kids in Kako and Lafreniere, who were top two picks each of the last two years. You have Mika and Panarin, who are Hart Trophy finalists every year. You have Kreider, who's a psychopath. Buchnevich, who's a conundrum. Gauthier, who's a literal human shithouse human fr- in terms of his body. Yes. yes. Yeah, he's a freight train. He's a freight train. And, and then you have Hedl. And I think Hedl is the most important player in that top nine because we're going to learn a whole lot about Philip Hedl next year. And it's going to be a not a make-or-break year, but it's going to be a, a telling year for what the Rangers can expect from Philip Hedl moving forward. Hedl is the and, absolute key to everything in the next season. Like I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think you've seen what Kaku can do, but you really need to see if, if Hedl can take the step to be a 2C. Like, that's the defining well, storyline. Kaku, Kaku's still a child. Even next year, Hedl's only a year still older. going to be a child. But yeah, which is uh, cra- crazy to think about. Yeah, but it's that top nine. with like, It's going to hurt not having Jesper Foss, especially defensively, because Kaku Kaku is not at a point in his development where he should be trying to pick up defensive responsibilities that Faust had. And we talk a lot about defense on this show, and we focus a lot on the players who play in the defenseman position. He's two years old. They're not the only ones that have to be defensively responsible. It's everybody on the ice. All five players need to be defensively responsible. And Jesper Faust, it is impossible to think of how bad this team would be defensively without him over the last two years. Oh, we're going to find out now for sure. Not only that, but that's a player that really, you know, and I hate to be this journalist guy who says something that doesn't really matter at all, but he does the dirty work. Like he literally goes to the dirty areas on the ice. He goes and plays on the boards. He does everything that players don't want to do. And you have a lot of offensively talented players on this team that aren't like, you know, those dirty work players. They're just not. Like, you know, they will do it, but that's not what their number one assets are. Their number one assets are, are usually, like, skill skating, et cetera, like Mika, like Panarin. You know, I Maybe Gauthier becomes that dirty work player. Maybe they think he can he could be a defensive player. But I didn't – I think he was a liability in the Carolina series, and I think you kind of saw he did get hurt a little bit too, but Quinn sheltered him tremendously, and he is not going to be sheltered at all next year, especially until Kravstov comes over if he does come over. We've also, speaking of catchphrases and catch terms that we've heard this week, we've heard a lot about leadership, locker room presence. Oh, my God. We've heard, we've heard a lot of that this week. And listen, I can give you fairly good reasons. I hope I gave you fairly good reasons as to why the New York Rangers, as an on-ice product, can maybe live without Jesper Foss. If they're not trying to be 
a Stanley Cup champion next year, if they're trying to let some of the kids grow, specifically the Cacos, the Lafreniers, the Gauthiers of the world, even the Kravtsovs, if we get to that point in the season, if they wanted to create an opening for a child and they said that third year for Jesper Foss is our breaking point, we can't do it. That's fine and good. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that the Rangers put an emphasis on their signings the last couple of days to bring in character guys, leadership guys, I don't know how you can let the guy who has been voted by the locker room five years as the player's player for the last five years, as someone that was wearing an A on his jersey, despite doing all the little things that we talk about, I don't know how you can say you're trying to bring in leadership when you literally let your leadership walk out the door. That was my rant in a nutshell. I will not repeat what you just said, but I will echo it. It's all it's it's been a really weird offseason for messaging from the New York Ranger front office. And maybe you all out there will disagree with me, but after they lost the playoff series where they played very what you would consider gritty, rough, like tech not technical, but hit hit based style hockey. It was it was not who they were. Gorton came out and said, that's not the kind of style of hockey we want to play. We want to use our speed. We want to use our skill. And we want to play technical, skilled hockey. Okay, cool. Well, now that we did that, I keep hearing about this grittiness, like this, uh, this grit and this toughness that we need to add to this team and guys that... You you got you're gonna want to like have in your lineup, but what wait what happened to the speed and skill and the technical aspect of it? All of a sudden now at the draft we're back to gritty defense and large body and all this like what where did the philosophical change come in the, in in those two months in between or what month and a half in between when we got eliminated from the Canes who are a highly based skill team by the way and uh in the draft where did that happen and then all of a sudden the leadership aspect okay. You're bringing in leadership character. My guys, you let go. Like You didn't let go. You bought out Henrik Lundqvist. You traded Mark Stahl, who's like, and shout out to Mark. I miss you, buddy. But whose only quantity was his leadership status. <laughs> like, that was his only good quality. Like, that's all Mark Stahl did. He was a captain, a de facto captain with, with Henrik Lundqvist. Okay, so both those guys are gone. Now, Jesper Fast, you let him go to free agency. And then you bring in other guys for quote-unquote, and we'll get to those other guys, character and for connection. Like, give me a break. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm sure those guys can help help younger players in, in the locker room. But, yeah, so can Chris Kreider. Like, it, you know, th- there, are, there are players that are in that locker room. You don't need to use that as an excuse. But you let go of the best guys you had for, quote-unquote, leadership and development. They did their jobs. They're not part of your team anymore. But when you bring in, like, Jack Johnson, what are you doing? I don't know. We'll, we'll get we'll get to Johnson. The other thing we've heard a lot this offseason is that the New York Rangers want to become, uh, quote-unquote, tougher to play against. And Keep hearing that. That can, that can mean so many different things. It, it's really an empty saying. To me, when you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are a team that is tougher to play against, they're tougher to play against because they're so damn fast that by the end of the game, you're, just, you're gassed. You're winded. You can't keep up with them. They... They don't punch you in the mouth with enforcers. They punch you in the mouth with speed. They knock you off your ass. You get through two and a half periods with them, and you're sucking wind. That's how the Tampa Bay Lightning are tougher to play against. It seems like the New York Rangers are taking it to the we want to punch you in the mouth kind of style again. And we've seen this before. It just doesn't work anymore. 
That's not how hockey's being played. And it's, I, it, it, I also, I don't know how you feel about this. I struggle with bringing in players from the outside and calling them leadership moves. If we're talking about a Jason Spezza or a Patrick Marlowe, these older players, Joe Thornton, these older players who've been there, done that, Revered. have seen it all. Like guys around the league play. love them, like look up to them, you know, think yeah. they're legendary players, watch them when they were growing up. Like, But all those, all those guys can still play. So they're not just coming in to be an extension of the coaching staff. They're helping you on a daily basis. Maybe Joe Thornton can't play 15 minutes a night like he used to. But those 12 to 13 minutes a night he gets, you still see shades of Jumbo Joe Thornton. Like he had his game hasn't changed that much. Those are the kind of veteran leadership additions that I think are valuable to a team because you're leading in the locker room and you're leading in work ethic and you're leading in how you play on the ice. This is where we transition to Jack Johnson. Well, before we do that, I think we're going to be super friendly. Let's transition to a little bit of a break. And then we'll come back and talk about Jack Johnson. All right. We'll see you in a two seconds. Transition. Okay, we're back. Because now it's time. The time has come. Shall we? I think we could write, like, a very, very long article on that Friday in New York Ranger history. And you're going you're gonna to be listening at home right now and say, these guys are over-exaggerating. It's not that big a deal. Rick Carpinello quoting all the people that are going to cry online. Hello, Rick. It's me. I'm crying online. And the rumblings came out early in the afternoon, early morning-ish. Said the Rangers are in talks with Jack Johnson. Vince even reported it earlier in the week. Said the Rangers could take a look at Jack Johnson. And I kind of laughed and giggled. And we've had people on the show and talked about Jack Johnson. Gregory, and I, I hope no one goes back and finds this. And I don't think they can because it's probably buried. But we laughed about the Penguins signing Jack Johnson the day it happened. We were like, wow, the Penguins signed Jack Johnson? For how long? For how much? Wow. <laughs> Good luck with that ones, buddies. And here we are a year later. Now, he's... All right. Let's, let's start from the beginning. Comes out. Rangers are talking to him. Okay. As soon as you hear someone is talking to somebody in hockey... Like, any report from any quote-unquote insider or even, like, what you would consider actual insiders, is there ever a time where they actually don't end up signing with the team? Like, very no. rarely, talking, right? Talking to, talking to, to me, means the deal's already done. It's over. It's done. Like, yeah. you, it's already... It, so, I had to start figuring out how I was going to handle that Jack Johnson was going to be a New York Ranger for the next year. And we'll get into his role, but I have to say that's my number one concern because... Well, oh, I want to get I want to get right into the role. Okay, because... let's let's get into it because I think he's going to open up the first night like as a, opposite of Jacob Truba. Like that's where I, I have I, Ryan. I, I I've been trying. I've been trying for seventy two straight hours to find a way where he doesn't, and I just don't think it exists. And I'm going to break it down for you, Ryan. I would love you to because up. I'm because everything that the Rangers say and all the beat writers and all people are saying, hey, calm down, trust JD and Gordon. Uh, you know, they just don't want him to play. They're going to beat him out. Like, the kids, if they beat him out, he won't even be playing. He's an extra skater. We signed him for a million dollars. $1.15 million, whatever it is. You got it. $1.5 million. I don't know. No, I can't even fucking math. You get it. $1 million. $1.15. I don't know how you can't say that. I don't know what it is. I'll get... You struggle with words sometimes. I struggle at life. Anyway, um, <laughs> we, we signed him for that amount as an extra skater? And uh, whatever, we're going to let him play. If the kids beat him out, they're just going to – he'll just sit. 
But okay, break it down for me, Gregory, because I just don't see it. Well, the first the first thing that if we're talking about things that really pissed us off on Friday, it's it's so many things. But it was also a lot of people saying, "Well, it's not that much money. You weren't going to get a better player by spending this little oh. money." And I, that one pissed me off to no end because not even not Ryan, not even twenty five minutes before the Rangers signed Jack Johnson. John Merrill literally signed for $900,000. Yes. John Merrill is a better player than Jack Johnson. Not now, maybe about No doubt about it. Maybe John Merrill didn't want to come to New York. Maybe the Rangers didn't get an opportunity to talk to John Merrill. I don't know. That's a guy who has played in the metropolitan area before, has experience in the East. You would think he might be open to a conversation about coming back here. But – just to everybody who said you're not going to sign a better player for less, you shut the fuck up. That's verifiably <laughs> wrong. Yeah, like, well, it's not only it's, just John Merrill. There were plenty of other options. Like, I, plenty. I, it's plenty. It's ridiculous the amount of actual um, other players that signed for less than a million dollars who were considered value buys. Yeah, not not even just that. We joked a couple weeks ago about how Larry Brooks wanted the Rangers to sign Ron Hainsey, who's 39 years old. Ron Hainsey's better than Jack Johnson. He's 39 years old. He's been everywhere. He's played everywhere. That's another leadership guy that you can say. And I guarantee you, you wouldn't have cost you a million dollars. So just just, just a hard shut up to everyone who said you weren't going to get better for that much money. Especially this offseason when no one is signing for money. You, were, you could get better just by trying one iota harder. Anyway, that rant's done. I just don't believe people when they say the, the common – correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. The mm-hmm. common – your overreacting comments basically come from he's not making a lot of money. It's a one-year deal. The Rangers have said he's going to be a seventh defenseman, right? That that's that's every comment I've seen that's saying you're overreacting. It's one of those three things that they fall back to, right? I agree. Um, and just to just to verify them or validate them rather for a second, it is it in the long term is it a big deal? No. In, uh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. Is, is it, in the long term, is it a big deal that he's on the team for a year? No. Did I think they were competing this year anyway? No, I didn't. Is it going to affect their championship odds down the down the, the line? No. Could they potentially trade him for a draft pick? No. Okay, <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, please move on. Well, I just, I want to react specifically to your, is this concerning long term? I'm actually going to say yes. Not because I think Jack Johnson is going to be a New York Ranger for a long time. But it's just another example. The New York Rangers, for whatever reason, don't know how to evaluate defensemen. Well, to me, this is more than that. To me, this was a... Um, I, 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 sometimes you have really good examples for this, and I'm sure you'll figure out one out as I, as I begin to talk here. But it's someone like... It, it was like a handshake. Hey, you're a personally, you're a great guy. Like, they, they brought him on because Marty Jocks is friends with him. Gordon, uh, not Gordon, rather, JD has worked with him in the past, like, worked with him in Columbus. Like, they have a connection with him. And they brought him on because of their personal relationships. Can I confirm that? No. Yeah, but, I don't, I, but, well, but, no, I, I think we can. I don't think, I, uh, John Davidson has essentially confirmed it for us, saying it's a guy he worked with in Columbus. Jacques Martin specifically defended him. When the Rangers were thinking about signing him, so those those are words that were given to us. I don't know if Martin actually did. I don't know if someone had a gun to his head when he did. I, I wasn't in the room when it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, to shout out Hamilton, yep. but it verifiably proven that 
relationship, you're right. If Jack Johnson was a shitty defenseman for the San Jose Sharks for the last four years, would Martin and Davidson have been pining to sign him then? We don't know. Uh, so I maybe, maybe. If, if you're looking for a positive, which I think we're trying to do on this show, we would feel better if the Rangers just explicitly said, this is a familiar voice. We think he's going to do well for our children. That's why we signed him. I think the thing that frustrates us some is the Rangers then try to go the next step and justify his play as a reason to sign him when there's just, there's no justification there. None. No, I, I think there were, I, I can't even count the amount of uh, Jesse, our friend also at, or at the athletic, I believe he stopped. Like he had like five clears out of 128 tries last year or something like that or zone entries. Yeah. Five zone entry stops and 128 tries. It's like, cool. Yeah. Great. Uh, we should say Jesse's coming on BSBOT on Wednesday. Dope. This week. Cause uh, we have a lot to discuss. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I want to I want to pivot slightly uh-huh. about why I think Johnson is here to be more than your sixth, seventh defenseman. And the slight pivot is actually going to lead us to talk about the other defenseman the Rangers signed on Friday, and that's uh, Anthony Potato. Uh, here's the thing about Potato, Ryan. Potato's mm-hmm. a left-handed defenseman. I know. And I, I I don't think the I don't think it's guaranteed that he will open the season with the New York Rangers. In fact, I think both of us would be a little surprised if it wasn't Brendan Smith being the seventh defenseman and one of Lieber Hayek and Keandre Miller won a job to open the season with the parent club. I think we'd be surprised if both those guys started. Can, in Hartford. can I say something brave yet so controversial? Um, you think I, they're both starting in Hartford? I know. I think Brendan Smith should make the team and be a starter. There you go. Well, he's better than Jack Johnson. Yes. I think he, like when you say know the system and know the players, no one knows better than Brandon Smith. Like that's a guy who can play any part in this, on this team. He could play forward. He could play defense. But I, I do know, and I think this makes the most sense, they probably will send him down to Hartford to save that $1 million, right? Like that's. I don't, I see. I disagree with you there. Really? I don't think they're going to do that. Yes. I think Brendan Smith will. I think what people think Jack Johnson's going to be is actually going to be Brendan Smith. That's crazy and to me because I, I don't hate Brendan Smith as much as, as much as Jack Johnson. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. No, see, I, I need to correct myself here. Okay. I'm not saying that Jack Johnson's better than Brendan Smith. Mm-hmm. I, I'm speaking from a position of someone who knows this Rangers front office enough to know that they're done with Brendan Smith. Done in a way that they can't get rid of the salary, apparently, in a way that's comfortable to them. But they feel like they don't owe Brendan Smith anything. So Brendan Smith's going to be the guy that floats in and out of this lineup. See, uh, to me, like I, I this is a, one of one of the rare times over the past couple weeks we'll disagree. I think Brendan Smith is not done with this organization. I, I think he will be playing. again. I, I the organization is done with Brendan Smith. Right. We're talking about a guy they played on the wing. Right. They, they this did. Isn't, this isn't a guy. This isn't a guy where they necessarily care about what he does or doesn't do. Well, I, I do think he'll be seeing playing time on the ice this year and actually might play important minutes. And maybe I'm wrong, but keep going with your theory here. Okay. Anyway, uh, the potato signing yep. scares me because there was there was this brief window. I would say sometime after the draft, sometime before free agency began, where Jeff Gorton was openly talking about moving Tony D'Angelo specifically to his offhand somewhere Tony D'Angelo played in juniors, played it well in juniors, 
And quite honestly, we've seen Tony do it in very small bursts when the Rangers are down a goal and they need offense. And, and not they only that, Tony. Gregory, to give us some credit, first time Tony ever say he'd move to the left side on this podcast. He's it's true. Yeah, he's he's done it before. Left side, Tony. We we've seen David Quinn be comfortable enough where he's done it where he needs to, and he's played with Adam Fox, and that pairing had limited success when they were together. So for a moment, you could envision a top four that is Ryan Lindgren and Jacob Truba, mm-hmm. Adam Fox and Tony D'Angelo, and I think all of us would sit back and say it's not bad. In fact, that's borderline good, even. It's 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 strong. It's a little concerning. It's a little concerning. Truba needs to rebound in a big way mm-hmm. for you to feel totally safe about it. But that top four is respectable. Well, because Fox makes up for Tony's deficiencies in defense, and just is is has that ability to kind of play at home when Tony goes and crashes the net. And you know, Tony played with Mark Stahl last year. You know, again, I I feel like I'm taking pot shots at Mark while he's in Detroit. He's sitting eating dinner right now. He's like, what the hell? What's happening? <laughs> but but uh, it's he did play with Mark Stahl. That's what it was. And whatever David Quid wanted instant office offense, you would see the the Adam Fox Tony D'Angelo pairing. That would always happen. So if for for a whole year, is that possible? That's kind of a suitable top four, and it's it's one that I'm a little bit excited to watch. Now here's the but problem. But you're not you're not gonna watch it. That's the problem. And here's how I know it's a problem. Because Niels Lundqvist is not here. Nope. Niels Lundqvist is not coming this season at all. Nope. It sounds like if the Rangers sign him to an entry-level deal, it'll be after the season. It'll be next year. Yes. He'll be here and next year. And I bring up the name Potato again. Because, again, I'm going to emphasize that he's a left-handed defenseman. And I, I made sure to check with our dear good friend, uh, Murat, who covered him when he was in Winnipeg last year. Potato did not play on the right-hand side for the Jets. And unless it was an absolute emergency right last had to be an emergency that was it so he was exclusively a left-hand defenseman now i don't know about you ryan i understand the rangers have done it sparingly in the past but this is a team that is for whatever reason against playing defensemen on their offhand they won't do it you can maybe see a situation where they do it once i can't see a situation where they do it twice which is why i don't think Brendan Smith is going to be the Rangers' third defenseman on the right side this coming season, hmm. which means the New York Rangers, their only other true kind of sort of NHL depth they have on the right-hand side is Darren Radish. And I don't know about you. I don't see anything that suggests the New York Rangers are going to feel comfortable playing Darren Radish NHL minutes. Zero percent. So if they're, if they're not comfortable – the Rangers signed a depth defenseman to be, essentially be their eighth defenseman, but he's left-handed. If the Rangers had spent that time bringing in a right-handed defenseman, that could be someone that floats in and out of the bottom pair, like I think Potato might this season, then yeah, I'd, I'd still be on board with this Tony D'Angelo is going to play on the left side philosophy. But the problem is the way the Rangers are currently constructed is they only have three NHL right-handed defensemen. And this, again, be it David Quinn, be it Jeff Gorton, whoever it is, this is a team that just doesn't play guys on their offhand. You're going to tell me all of a sudden this team's going to play two guys on their offhand and they're going to move Tony to the left and Brandon Smith to the right? I just, I think that's a little unrealistic. Right. So your right side's going to be Tony Truba Fox, which brings right, us which to means the left, your side. left side. Which means your left side is Lindgren and two question marks. And 
They've answered one of those question marks. Whether you believe them into thinking that Jack Johnson is going to be your third pairing, this all offseason so far, ever since the Rangers got eliminated, I think the number one complaint we've seen from every beat writer is Jacob Truba hasn't had a top pairing guy to play with. We, we, we saw everyone bemoan Brady Shea. We saw everyone bemoan Lieber Hayek when he had that run last year. And we saw people bemoan Brendan Smith. So if it, it can't be Shea, he's gone. I, I have a lot of doubts that it's going to be Hayek again. A Tarmo and might it's not be going to be Brendan Smith again. Tarmo might be an answer. Tarmo's another child. Yeah, it's like, true. We don't know. We don't know if he can. It's true. We're talking about the one position the Rangers want to address is a reliable, constant fixture next to Jacob Truba. And if it's not Ryan Lindgren, that guy has not existed on this roster. So we thought. That's why we thought the Rangers were going to be in the business of acquiring a left-handed defenseman because they've made it painfully clear that they want someone to play with Jacob Truba on a nightly basis for him to get comfortable with and for him to find his game again. Well, Keontre Miller better become an elite 1, <laughs> 1D real quick then, if that's the it's case. Very, it's very possible. It's very possible that Keandre Miller gets that assignment opening night. I think that's a little ridiculous, not in terms of do I think Keandre Miller is eventually going to end up in that spot. I just think that's a – that's a hell of a weight for a, a rookie. That's a, a hefty task rookie. for a, a guy who did impress in camp, but notably and reportedly struggled at Wisconsin the entire year beforehand. It's it's a big it's a big ask. There, from where I sit, there's only one player I think the New York Rangers are concerned because I got to tell you, as things stand right now, and sure, guys, it is October twelfth. I can't believe it's October 12th. I honestly thought today was yeah, like 3rd I, I or something. I think it's June 3rd like every day of my life. Yeah. Uh, it's possible that this early in the offseason we are overreacting. It's possible that Keandre Miller is going to win a top four left-handed defenseman job in camp. And the Rangers are going to trust playing him with Keandre Miller off the jump. Totally possible. I'm, I'm here for every hypothetical that makes it seem like the New York Rangers are going to trust the children a little bit more. We just don't have any information to suggest that's outside of Brett Howden. Capococco started the year in the bottom six, played there all year, struggled. Philip Heedle started the year in the American Hockey League. Ryan Lindgren started the year in the American Hockey League. Heedle started with the, Tony D'Angelo. started his with first the team year with David Quinn. And then got set down, start, I believe. Yeah, Tony D'Angelo, his first year with David Quinn, started the year in the Quinn bin. Big time. This is a team that has emphasized at every step that you have to earn it. And they usually only earn it through playing time in Hartford when you're a rookie. So you'll just have to forgive me for thinking that this organization that has instilled this certain standard is all of a sudden not going to change that standard, which means Jack Johnson is going to open opening night playing with one of Jacob Truba or Adam Fox. Your choice who? But Even if he's on the third right pairing, now, my man, I, I would bet it right now. I, I just I would bet it right now he's opening that roster. I I, really we would. know for a fact that he's going to be playing opening night. What I'm saying is we don't know for a he's fact. not going to be People playing third pair faces, but yeah. Yeah, no. He's not, as things stand right now, there is very few scenarios where Jack Johnson opens anywhere besides next to Jacob Truba. I, I want to disagree with you, and I can't. And I can't. And I'm sure people will say, no, Keandre is going to get that spot. Lindgren will take it. You know, Lieber Hayek, Lieber Hayek is going to be 
taken a step forward after what we saw from him last year, which was truly terrible, by the way. And he, again, abysmal. A, 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 Somehow worse than Jack Johnson, yeah, by the way. A, a child, uh, again, still, still developing. We don't know. And defense is the hardest is one of the harder positions, rather, to develop at. We we know that for a fact. But if if that's a lot that needs to go right for Jack Johnson not to be in that lineup. That's all I'm saying. That, you know, if the kids while playing, maybe Tarmo comes over. Maybe it's maybe you know it's a big Tarmo Miller and Lindgren, and then we're kind of cooking. Yeah, that's fun. I would love that. And, you know, Tarmo said today he'd come back at the drop of a hat to play with the Rangers, but we don't know what he has to offer either. We haven't seen him over here. We don't. We have no idea. So I right now, as October twelfth, seven fifty six p.m. on a Monday night, Jack Johnson's gonna be open night lineup, and that's my problem because we. We never saw them sit anybody. Mark Stahl, all the older players, the veterans, they get ice time. They get it, and they owed Mark Stahl some things. Um, and by because Mark Stahl gave a lot to the organization, so they played him. They sat him one time. It 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 stopped him from getting a thousand games, so he only has nine hundred ninety nine as a Ranger, which is still a little funny to me. But with Jack Johnson, I just can't see a situation where even or even this, Greg. Let's say in this hypothetical world that we're making up. Jack Johnson doesn't open up the 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 season with the New York Rangers, right? Tarmo, somehow it's Tarmo, Lindgren, and uh, Miller. Okay, cool. The first time any of those, well, any Tarmo or Miller struggle for two games in a row, what's happening? Well, I just need to emphasize a point to you. Okay. Because I, I feel like this gets a little lost in translation, specifically because of what we saw last year with Kako and what we're expecting this year with Lafreniere. It is extremely rare for prospects not to get time in the American Hockey League. Extremely rare. The fact that Brett Howden hasn't been playing in Hartford is the exception, not the rule. Again, Philip Heedle has somewhere near 80 career games in the American Hockey League. Leas Anderson has somewhere near 50 to 60 games in the AHL. These guys play in Hartford. They have to play in Hartford because they're adjusting to a completely different league. It is unreal. I, I truly believe it is unrealistic. Hayek has a chance because he's served time in the minors and he's gotten a look under David Quinn. I truly believe that Lieber Hayek is your only hope for keeping Jack Johnson out of the starting lineup. It would shock me to my core if Keandre Miller played. He would... Think of, think of how well Vitaly Kravtsov played in training camp and preseason last year. We thought it was a foregone conclusion that Kravtsov was going to start the year with the New York Rangers, and he didn't. And we were all a little surprised by it. But I don't think you can allow yourself to be surprised again just because the Rangers be brought in Jack Johnson. They brought Jack Johnson into play. The Rangers need to replace Mark Stahl and Jesper Foss on the penalty kill. And they're specifically talking today in their news conference about how Jack Johnson is going to help this team on the penalty kill. There are no situations in my mind where Jack Johnson legitimately opens the season outside of injury in the press box. He is going to play. It's Brendan Smith's spot that we are talking about here on the left-hand side of the defense. But I just... It feels unrealistic to me to expect Tarmo, to expect Keandre, to expect someone like Matt Robertson, if you were to sign his entry-level deal. I think he might have even already signed it. Those guys, when they come over, they're playing in Hartford. 
at least the first month of the year. The Rangers have put in more resources in Hartford. They've emphasized how Hartford needs to be a pipeline to their uh, NHL roster. They care about the product on the ice in Hartford again. Those guys are starting in the minors. I hope Keandre Miller opens the season in New York, but it's an unrealistic expectation. Lindgren started in the minors when he signed his entry-level deal out of college. All of these guys have played in the minors. Adam Fox is an exception because he was an exceptional three-year player in the NCAA. Keandre Miller doesn't have that to his credit. uh, Cabocaco, Alexi Lafreniere, they're exceptions because they're top two draft picks in the NHL draft. Niels Lundqvist, when he signs, he's starting in Hartford. All these kids, when they sign, they're going to start in Hartford. So I don't think, I think it would be irresponsible of us, two people that are paid to talk about the New York Rangers twice a week for the athletic. I think it would be irresponsible for us to come on the show and say there are ways and verifiably proven ways for the kids to open the roster in the opening lineup for the New York Rangers. I just don't think it's going to, not only do I think it's not going to happen, it would take an organizational shift of philosophy for it to happen. Jack Johnson's playing for the New York Rangers on opening night. More likely than not, Jack Johnson is going to play with Jacob Truba on opening night. More likely than not, Jack Johnson's going to see 18 minutes of ice time on opening night. He's definitely going to see time on the penalty kill, regardless of how many penalties the New York Rangers take. It's it's just it's not going to happen. Our only hope was the Rangers getting comfortable enough to move Tony D'Angelo to his offhand and let your top four be Truba Lindgren, Fox D'Angelo. That's but nice. again, that's fun, man. It's, it's fun. It's a really but fun depth top four. signing. The depth signing the Rangers made was a left-handed defender. I just don't see a way where the Rangers are also playing Brendan Smith on his offhand. I, I I want to believe that theory, that they will move both Smith and D'Angelo. And then fine, if you want your bottom pairing to be Jack Johnson and Brendan Smith, it's going to be a dumpster fire, but I won't even care about it because at least your top four is solid, young, and fun. I just... It, I just don't understand why they didn't sign a right-handed defenseman if that's what they were going to do. Me it just it, To me, that's the puzzle piece that's missing. The Rooney signing if was they were fine, truly... but like the potato one was confusing to me, for sure. Well, it's only again, it's only confusing because you would think that the one if the Rangers wanted their tweener eighth defenseman to be a right-hand shot, it just it it seems like. If D'Angelo's not on the Rangers, the Rangers have a massive hole. Yeah, and by the, the way, right we're side. not if we're not even positive that Strom and D'Angelo are going to be on this team. We don't, we don't I don't know. know, Ryan. I don't know about you. It it feels like every day that goes by, it feels like they're signing one year deals, and the Rangers will answer this question at the trade deadline. Can I can I even read the tea leaves a little bit, just a little bit? Tony has been unfathomably nice on Twitter the last couple of days. Makes you think. It does. Doesn't it make you think? It really makes me think a little bit. Like something up here. Try to play nice. I don't know because I know they're all going to arbitration. Maybe they sign one year deals. But Gordon is openly, openly talked about shopping Ryan Stroll. Was like, yeah, we tried to do everything to trade him. (laughs) What? Now they're going to take him to arbitration. I. There's a part of me that has come around to the thinking that it's a lot easier to trade these guys once their price points are set with, with everything going on in the NHL and how little money 
is being spent on players and how no team Tyler Johnson was placed on waivers and no one claimed him. Didn't even have to give up an asset for him. All you had to do was take the contract and nobody wanted the contract, which by the way, I think is a great move, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that 30 other NHL GMs all of a sudden got smart. I just think 30 other NHL GMs are crying poor. And I think that's a very clear difference. Um, I don't think it's 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 really hard to move these guys that have question marks when it comes to their bank account for next year. We've we've seen one restricted free agent get traded, and that was Devin uh, Devon Taves today, and he got traded to Colorado, who've just been shitting cap space this entire offseason. So it's teams with cap space aren't using it. The Senators for sure, not really using it. Matt Murray, uh, at that's least it. it's. It, the the Red Wings are using it, but Smartly, they're using it on guys. The yeah, they've signed six players to deals over one million dollars. Nice they, job. They're, they're doing things. Their players are um, nice. They're good players. They're good depth signings, though. Actual NHL players. They signed guys they can easily flip again. Like they, the the Red Wings are doing this right. They're they're not just going to field a better team this year. They're fielding a team that they can get for third round picks. So good good on Steve Eisman. It's almost like. That guy knows what he's doing. Buffalo might get a first-round uh, pick for Taylor Hall just for signing him for one year. So, Buffalo thinks that was a winning move, though. There's a big de- Taylor Hall. That was a business decision for Taylor Hall. The Buffalo Sabers think that Taylor Hall is going to stick around for more than one year. Well, they're and trying to appease I, Eichel before he forces his way to the Rangers. It's going to be tough for them, right? For sure. And Eichel wants experience playing with an elite winger. So, just get it in he now. needs to prepare himself for playing with Panarin. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> this is like this is like triple A ball for Jack Eichel. I respect it. Yeah, get it uh, in now. I just it it's yeah. These got these restricted free agents that have question marks next to their name. The Rangers are uncomfortable paying them, but no team wants to trade for them because they are uncomfortable taking on that entire salary. There's a very good chance. There's a good it would not surprise me, Ryan, if the Rangers go to arbitration with Ryan Strom, the decision comes to four and a half million dollars. And within a week, he's traded at 50% retained. That wouldn't shock me at all. Hmm. I why, why exactly do you think that? To save money in that case? I, I don't think any team that wants... I think there are plenty of teams that want Ryan Strom on their roster. But they want him at half the price. Got well, it. I just... I think they're very uncomfortable with what his full price might be. Maybe maybe there is a team that wants Ryan Strom at $4.5 million. And maybe you can move that contract without having to eat anything. But is it worth but I don't even think any Ryan team... Strom for a second at that point? I guess so. Could you even get if, a second? If you've decided... I mean, Ryan, you're, you're, one of the, you're the big asset boy. I am a big asset boy. You're a bigger asset, asset boy than I am. I am, actually. The Rangers, the Rangers have openly decided that Ryan Strom is not their second center of the future. That's right? very obvious. So would you rather them get a second round pick for him, or would you rather them just let him walk to? Free no, agents? I'd rather him get a second round pick if they can do that, if that's possible. So they'll, I think, I think that's totally possible. But I just, what, what if? I think every team's looking at it like, oh well, what if Ryan Strom gets five million dollars awarded to him? I can't afford him at five million. Maybe four and a half. You could talk me into it, but until I know for sure what Ryan Strom's going to get, I can't afford that contract. So it's it's one of those. I think. The players that we've seen traded, we at least know how much they're making. Again, Devontae's being the one exception. Right. Agree. I I think you have to you're gonna we're gonna go to the hearings with these guys. We're gonna see what the number figures are. And then I think you'll maybe see a trade or two. But I've always thought with Tony as much of an ass as he is, and boy, 
You don't need me to sit here to tell you how much it is. Mm -hmm. You either know or you don't want to know. And either way, it's out there. If Tony's future is with the New York Rangers, we're blue in the face saying that that future is on the left-hand side. Blue in the face. Absolutely. And if you're not going to, Ryan, if you're not going to do it now, you're not going to do it. No. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back to five-star questions to end this show. And we're back. All right, here we go. A uh, little bit of five-star questions to end the show, Gregory. I feel like we covered all the topics tremendously today. Great job by us. Not, Great job by not, us. Great not, job by our guests today, too. Sometimes you just got to know when to shut up. That's the thing. Silence is key, especially on Blue Shirts Breakaway. That's, that's what I always do. Just shut the hell up. All right. Uh, not too many five-star questions today, so uh, let's just go from here. If you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. We'll read on the show. That's how that works. All right. Uh, one of them was a, a three-way trade question from La Laxman, 1930, and it pretty much involved Tyler Johnson, um, but that's dead now, and it was about getting Eichel. The Eichel dream, uh, just so everyone knows, is two years away. I'm convinced it's two years away. It's not happening this year. It's not happening next year. It's the year after. We'll have many hard conversations about that coming up. Please stick with us. This next question is from Matt Heron. Hey, guys, kind of a multi- question if that's all right that's what we do here so it's very all right what are your thoughts on hank possibly going to minnesota well he's in washington um so that's just that it'd be awesome to see hank and zook reunited united yes i believe so but he actually uh will be playing he got with ovi and now they're chilling out and i'm sure that's going to be a fun tandem in a comic book series also what are your thoughts on Kraftstoff moving to center I know he's a natural winger, but I remember correctly, Team U Russia utilized him as center during the World Juniors. He seemed fairly confident here and there. Cheers. Um, my thoughts on Kravstad moving to center are this. It's same the same sort of um, situation, I, I believe, with Lafreniere. They're elite at that position, and they were scouted elite at that position because they play at that position. Their skills are totally different at center, and they would be a much lesser talent, and they would have a much lesser um, ceiling than if they were to move to center at that point. I don't think Kravtsov is a center option. If, and if, if I had to choose of the two, Lafreniere would be the one I'd honestly want to try because of his passing ability. Well, you also have to remember that Kravtsov and Lafreniere were playing center against other 18-year-olds. Other people, they were on such a higher level. Lafreniere wasn't playing they... center, yeah. Just a Kravtsov, but yeah. Well, Lafreniere has played center before as well. Mm-hmm. Not since he was a kid, though. But again, he's been doing it against inferior competition. You're now asking Vitaly Kravtsov to play against the best of the best in the National Hockey League at a position he's just not as good at. You can do it when you're the best in your prospect pool and you're playing against peers that are just firmly not on your level. You can do whatever the hell you want. They could have played them on defense and they still would have been fine. But... Vitaly Kravtsov going up against the line of Bergeron, Pasternak, and whoever the hell the Bruins want to put on that line with them, Craig Smith, or whatever they're doing, is just not going to fly. Kravtsov will get exposed, and he'll get taken advantage of. You, so it's it's like one of those uh, – it's like it's the, it's the people that ask why Tim Tebow wasn't going to cut it at quarterback in the National Football League. Because when Tim Tebow's playing against – 85% of people in the SEC that aren't going to play in the NFL, you can get away with Tim Tebow at quarterback. But then you start putting up against NFL defenses, which is literally the top 5% of the best players that Tebow would have ever played against in college. That's why it doesn't fly. Yep. So it's just because it, just because something happens in the minors or something happens 
in a juniors tournament does not mean it's going to translate at the NHL, nor should you expect it to. Next question comes from John W. And I believe this was a question right before we let our, our uh, BSB OT. Um, hey guys, I'm sure this will be talked about at length next episode, judging by Greg on Twitter, but I couldn't help uh, but wonder if the 19th pick signed by Gorton to change the attitude of the rebuild. We kind of talked about this earlier in the podcast, but with the addition of Lafreniere, our forward group is looking very highly skilled, but not much physicality. Since m- most of our young defensive prospects are known for their offensive potential, could this be a pick trying to add some physical edge to the back end and signal uh, more moves to come in that direction? Trading some of our defense or offensive demon for prospects and for, for more big, bigger physical demand to complement the offense and our offensive D like Fox and Tony. Yeah, I, I, I think that's somewhat of the... Um, of what happened, but here's what I really think happened. And after poking around a little bit and kind of trying to come to terms of, of uh, Braden, the jaw Snyder being a Ranger, he's a couple years away. They don't think Tony's going to be here. They liked the player. He nailed the interview. The character was great. They clearly scouted him very high. They think he's a high ceiling, uh, rather a high floor player. They think he could be like somewhat of a prime Dan Girardi or better in this case. And um, they just had him the highest ranked on their board. They had him number 12, or something like that, like in, the, in in like the 10 to 15 range at that point. They saw him there at 19. They were like, well, we have the asset. Third-round picks aren't that big a deal, and they love him. That was that was it. Now, Greg and I talked about, you know, taking the best player available, and maybe – and that was it. That's their best player available. And do we have right-handed defenseman depth outside of Niels Lundqvist? No, not particularly. So, um, in this case, that's what they thought. Uh, I've come around to the, the Braden, the Josh Schneider – uh, pick a little bit, but I still think the process is what I had the most problem with, which was trading an asset when there were other great talents on the board at that point in time. Like I, it, we're not. I'm definitely not as negative as we were when we were talking to Drew, where I was like stunned um, and just baffled that they would do something like that. But I'm also still not happy with it. In in the case of asset management, as we've talked about, I am the asset guy. Is a third round pick that much in the long term? Probably not. But there are some nice players that went with that pick or went in the third round, especially this year. So it's, it's an interesting here or there, but I think, I hope, I always hope Braden, the Josh Schneider will, uh, will come to this team four years from now and rip it up. But we have a lot to learn about him before we get there. My thing is you don't draft grit. What you draft skill, because the only thing that's going to survive in the NHL draft is skill. The guys who actually make it from the draft class do it because they're extremely talented. Uh, look at prime example. You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champions this year. Their quote unquote grit, Pat Maroon signed on a one year deal. Zach Bogosian was a trade deadline acquisition. The the dirty forwards, Barclay Goodrow and Blake Coleman, trade deadline acquisitions. The really good teams, they grow their own talent. And then they add that extra element via trade and via free agency. Anthony Sorelli, Mikhail Sergachev, Victor Hedman, uh, uh, Nikita Kucherov. Kucherov. There you go. All these guys. Braden Point. You, you're gonna. You can't sit here and tell me that the New York Rangers need to draft grit when the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't doing it and they're a Stanley Cup champion. So it's the the smart teams, and we've said this about guys like Jesper Fast. The smart teams go out there and they go get the one element that they haven't been able to grow themselves, which in most cases is that ruggedness that a roster has. But your core needs to be talented guys. They need to be guys who are going to light up the lamppost 
and guys who are so skilled that other teams understand they can't go out and trade for those guys. Tampa Bay Lightnings are really good at filling in the cracks. You, you, the Rangers used a first-round draft pick and a, thir- and a second-round draft pick. You can't sit here and tell me what. Well, that you know what he's just gonna he's gonna be great. He's gonna develop into this nasty pick, nasty player. Blah blah blah. Fuck off. The great teams don't draft those players. The great teams are taking Braden Point later in the draft. They're just, I just, I hate that argument. You don't, I don't want to draft an 18 year old where his upside is a piece of shit fourth liner. Like that, that's not what I'm looking for. I don't want a guy that's going to, I don't want an 18 year old. We should, where his we should say you're not really talking about Braden Schneider here, but the logic of drafting grit. Yeah, it's it's a failed logic. It's like taking a punter in the second round because your kicking game is the one thing you think you need to work your game on. Right, and uh, we're not saying it to be clear for negative Nancy's. We're not saying this is what Braden Schneider is. It's the logic and the process of drafting those skills. Yes, that's it. Correct. And from from what we've been able to find out, the the Rangers made the Braden Schneider pick because they are convinced. They were convinced he was in their top ten. If the if the Rangers had two top ten picks, and I'm pretty sure Schneider may have been that second top ten pick, they wanted that guy. They decided they needed that guy. I don't think they drafted Schneider specifically because of that quote unquote nastiness he plays with. No. It just so happens that he also has. That. And we compared him to Dylan McArath last podcast and i spoke to which a, is unfair because malcolm was is literally a train wreck of a prospect yes and i spoke to a lot of people Braden uh, Braden the josh schneider a lot over the last week and he can skate he has a lot of skill he has offensive upside he has everything you'd want in a defenseman can be a shutdown defenseman could be jacob truba 2.0 in that way has a lot of different abilities like is a, a, a overall great prospect that wasn't what greggy and i were angry about no. Brayden the Josh Schneider is the last of our issues with this problem. It was yeah, no, it was everything to else. The, to answer the broader question, mm-hmm. never, ever, ever, ever draft a guy you expect to be tough and gritty. Like if he ends up being tough and gritty because he's supremely talented as well, fine. Like we fucking hate Tom Wilson. I don't think I'm breaking news by saying that. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn by saying you also hate Tom Wilson. You are not. While I hate Tom Wilson, I can't deny that he's also a talented scoring forward. A piece of shit. I wouldn't (laughs) want him on my team, but guess what? He knows how to score. Like, if you're trying to convince me that the New York Rangers were drafting a Tom Wilson, fine. I wouldn't believe you. That's what they did in the second round with the Lace Anderson pick. Yeah, the, the the thing is Tom Wilson's a unicorn. Like, there's only one Tom Wilson. Those guys just don't exist. So I just forget about it. I just, I don't want to hear that the Rangers are specifically trying to draft someone because he's, he's a tough asshole. Yeah. You acquire tough assholes on the cheap regularly in free agency. If the Rangers wanted one this off season, they could have done it in a trade for a fifth round pick and then bingo, bango. They're good to go. Just again. And, and again, the lightning to be clear. We don't think Braden Schneider is the, sorry. Braden the Josh Schneider is exactly what we're talking about right here. No, I, we are simply talking about the philosophy. That's it. Good. Yeah, we're just saying those kind of players, the ones that you call gritty, the ones that live in your bottom pairing and your bottom six. Those kind of guys aren't homegrown guys more times than not. 
They are guys, other organizations, mostly not good organizations, are trying to bring along, and, and they clearly, like Blake Coleman, perfect example. He was a fine second-line forward for the New Jersey Devils, but smart organizations understood that that guy's skill set was better served in a lesser role, and it would maximize his output, which is why the Lightning went out and acquired him. Like, bad teams are always churning out these players that are being asked to do just a little too much for those teams, and then the good teams trade for them, ask them to do that much less, take that much less more off their plate, and they blossom into perfect role players. You don't, you don't worry about drafting someone who you hope to then become a role player. The only players you should be drafting are guys you believe and are convinced will be stars. You can always go find role players. They are readily available and more times than not cheap because other NHL GMs are stupid. So the Rangers drafted Braden Schneider because they think he can be a star, not because he's gritty, not because he's tough. We disagree with the evaluation of him as a star. That's a different conversation. But if you're coming in and you're trying to convince me that the New York Rangers are trying to draft depth players, that's not the point of the NHL draft. That's not it. Maybe some of these guys that, become well, that. Especially you're not first, drafting them for that. The first round, in in, in the, this in, draft class, in the deepest draft most class certainly. in history. Um. All right. Two more questions. There's actually one from Keegan. I'm going to skip for this week, which is about uh, literally every Dallas star being hurt after the, <laughs> um, uh, the Cup final. I don't know if you saw this. They had like 12 different uh, injury reports. I think everybody got surgery. Like literally everyone. Yeah, we just we we need to advance beyond the point of asking these guys to play broken. Right. But also, why would they not do it? They're in the Stanley Cup. Like, they're, you know they're not going to try and let their pals down. You know how that works. Like, they're their teammates. Yeah, I still, it, there needs to be a grown-up in the room that's not asking a guy with a broken shoulder to play hockey. Yeah, that's true. Or concussions. That's yeah, sure. you're, we, we've had this conversation before, too. We, we know enough athletes to know that no athlete's ever going to ask out of a lineup. That's not going to happen. Never. That's why there needs to be a grown-up in the room to be like, buddy, you're broken. Sit down. I want you to be able to lift your kid up yeah, there in the are, off season. There are things you can play through, and then there are things you cannot. Well, there, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Hurt, injured. Half those guys were injured. You shouldn't be playing with injuries. Like, if you got a, if you got a bone bruise, hurt, hurts as fuck. Yeah. But it's not going to get better or worse by playing. But, like, a separated shoulder, a broken collarbone, a broken wrist, those are injuries. You're, you're fucking up your quality and of life. And that could be permanent damage, hockey. for sure. Yeah. Like, there, there are people who are like, yeah, no, I broke my wrist in a, in a tournament game in high school, and now my wrist clicks in a very uncomfortable way, and it gets really sore all the time, and I have carpal tunnel at the age of 27. Yeah, like, good. Like, stop. You shouldn't be playing injured. If you're playing through a sprained finger, fine. Like, I'm not going to get angry about you for it, but I would just hope there's an adult in the room for these guys. That's all I want. Yeah, because if be I'm like, in their you know position, what? like I'm going to try and play too for my teammates. Sure, so I get sure, it. because that's all. That's that, uh, that's 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 all you know. You don't want to yeah, let your I'm not friends. Qui- and I'm your not quitting down. on my guys. Like I need yeah. to be dragged out of there. Like dragged yeah, but, by my and kicking the thing and is, someone should be dragging them. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, why have a team doctor if the doctor's going to be like, not going to do anything? Yeah, well, yeah, everyone is like decapitated, and they're like, well, so play, cool. All right, two more. 
uh, this is from the New York Ranger fan. I thought Jeff Gordon was better than this. If Miller can't make the jump next year, we are screwed on the left side. Do you think Gordon is done this offseason dealing with left-handed defensemen? And what is going to what are we going to get next season? Keep up the great work, best Rangers podcast. Thanks, New York Ranger fan. I didn't write that myself, by the way. Um, yeah, I think we've we've addressed this pretty seriously and it at length this podcast. But I think the next season is really when you're going to see see Miller and you're going to see uh, Niels and you're going to see you know Lindgren still be around. Like you're going to have a pretty great defensive, not great, but advanced defensive core the year after. This year's going to be a train wreck. Already discussed that. Yeah, the the only nice positive thing we can actually say is the Rangers didn't sign anyone that's going to be a roadblock for multiple seasons. Nope. And quite honestly, they're probably not going to be roadblocks this year. We just know this organization well enough to know that the kids aren't starting the season in the NHL. So it's not even that they're we can you can call them placeholders all you want, but I, I got a bridge to sell you if you don't think Jack Johnson's going to get top four minutes for the first 20 games of the year. It's, it's just, it's going to be what happens. Sort of where I'm at, too. Final question. This is from Rangers Forever. Hey, guys. My question concerns the Rangers signing and future Wolfpack starting goalie Keith Kincaid. Our boy. Can you guys, and it says specifically Greg, let, let your friend Keith know that I'm looking forward to someone to take a lease in my apartment in the west end of Hartford starting January 1st. Maybe he's interested. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, I, I do say, I guess the one thing we yeah. probably should have mentioned earlier in this podcast. Yeah. I'm just super happy for our, happy for our friend. Happy for Keith. Yeah. Grew up grew up a Ranger fan. Grew up on Long Island. Yep. Um, went to prospect camps for the Rangers. All, look, Keith wasn't supposed to make it in the got, NHL, and he did. So good yeah. for him, man. And to be fair, Keith is going to be important for this organization. Maybe not from an actual playing for the Rangers standpoint, but goalie injuries happen, and Keith will be the first guy called up. Oh, absolutely. But also, it's it's important to remember that while well, Keith is— If Georgiev gets traded, Keith is the backup right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. But Georgiev's not getting traded, so right. you don't got to worry about it. Right. But still— uh, Keith is 31, which in human years is normal and not that old. In hockey years, yes. is ancient. Um, We've seen Keith be an, ac- an athlete like on accident, and it's like you, you sometimes you forget. Like I'm not an athlete. We th- we went yeah. to uh, uh, axe throwing with Keith at one time, and he like what did he hit like seven? 17- he broke he broke the board. <laughs> <laughs> like, he threw an axe like, so oh, hard yeah. the board split. We're podcasters, huh? Hmm. Yeah, but I I just Keith. This is going to sound corny as shit. Yeah. He has a lot of life experience. And he currently in the organization has the most career, most career, more career playoff starts than any New York Ranger goalie that they have right now. He has more regular season starts than any goalie in the Rangers organization right now. And for Tyler Wall, Keith's done it. If you're expecting, like, I, we know Keith well enough to know that if Tyler Wall's got a question about, just how how to exist as a goalie in the next level who better to ask than keith like yeah he's gonna bust his balls too for but sure you name it you name it keith's done it and you know i got I, I definitely got some tags like you know enjoy that from montreal fans etc like I mean, keith, who gives a shit keith man like he took a devil's team that didn't deserve it to the playoffs he was as hot as could it be it was keith keith and taylor hall that was it that, yep that was that team as hot as could be um and he he's kind of uh, had a little bit of rough and tumble since then, but I I do think uh, he'll have not maybe not another shot with this team, but 
Uh, he'll have another shot in the NHL. Maybe yeah, in I the just, future. It, it, he's he's going to be playing in his own backyard, even if it's Hartford. Yep. He's got – we know there are enough of us hanging around this tri-state area that Keith will be able to hang out with his friends. But more importantly, he's just a guy in this organization that's done it before. Yep. And there's no Hank anymore. I know Benoit Lair is here, and that, that man can do – That's the best thing that ever everything. happened to Keith, by the way. Yeah, he's going to get to play with Benoit Lair. It's – I truly, I think it, I think it's great that Keith is in the organization. I think it'll be great for the Tyler Walls and the Adam Huskas and even the Igor Shosturkins and Alex Georgiev. And, and I think you're missing the best point here. Great for the podcast. Great, great, great for it, the podcast. Super, super great content for the pod. I just, I truly hope that Keith gets to start a game in Madison Square Garden while wearing a Ranger jersey. Oh. That's been his dream. That's been his dream as a kid. And my friend has an opportunity to live out a dream that less than 1% of the people that share that dream actually get to live out. Right. So I'm, I'm rooting for my friend. It's that simple. There'd be nothing. Only the coronavirus could stop us from being there. That's it. Even then. I oh. don't know. Oh, for sure. <laughs> we, 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 we find a way. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, that's the end of this podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me. Oh, Ryan, you can follow Greg at blue shirts break. And we'll be back later this week with Jesse Marshall of the athletic to talk about Jack Johnson and, uh, some naked banana pancakes. Oh, I'll, should I do that? Do you want me to put a um, little bit of Jack Johnson when we start talking about Jack Johnson in the background? Maybe I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, we might get slapped with some kind of uh, yeah takedown. Maybe I'll do a cover. Yeah, I'll do uh, well, something quick. All right. We'll I don't think I don't think I've ever heard a Jack Johnson song. Really? You've never heard Banana Pancakes? Ryan, come on. All right. Never Who mind. You, you don't listen to, to music. Never mind. Bud Light. I really don't. Not sponsor this podcast. Okay. All right. We'll be back um, later in the week. BSPOT. Later, guys. Love you.